You're listening to the Sioux Falls Startup Stories Podcast. All right, well, what's up, everyone? We are getting into episode three of the second season of the Sioux Falls Startup Stories Podcast. I really hope that you've enjoyed the episode so far. Uh, For me, these conversations with these entrepreneurs have been truly amazing. You've probably gathered by this point that this is a business or uh, entrepreneurial podcast. I meet with business owners around town. Uh, They've started a company. They have employees. They've been doing this for a while, and the community around them really looks up to them and deems them as a, quote, success. And I emphasize the quotes, right? I mean, everybody defines success, but you kind of get what I'm saying. But this week, I'm taking just a little bit of a turn from that. I'm interviewing a pastor. Now, I'm not talking a pastor of business or some entrepreneurial guru uh, that's going to give you the, the Bible of success in your business, although I think he does have some really good ideas that he shares this episode. But I'm talking about like a pastor, like the Holy Church, the steeple of people, um, the Christ-following pastor. So this week, I'm really excited to share that Adam Weber of Embrace Church is going to be with us. He shares his startup story and what it was like to plant a church. So... Surely a guy like Adam, who is rooted in faith, uh, he's dreamt of pastoring a a church since his childhood. Uh, I'm sure that he's got a great story of just uh, walking from school into uh, church planting, right? No, I never saw myself as a a pastor and like genuinely never even thought about it or considered it. Always thought uh, kind of following in the footsteps of my dad um, would be a business of some kind and really have... Um, passion for people and leadership, and so the really the plan when I went to college, I went for went to Augustana in town here. Yeah, I went for business and marketing, and my full expectation is that I'd be in the marketing field in some place, way, shape, or form. And always wanted to do something unique as a business owner, um, whether it was just kind of radical generosity, um, which is a love language of mine, or just even offering opportunities that are different for staff. Um, so I, I my dreams all centered around me owning a business of some kind or running a corporation. So never, never had the intent or desire or dream or anything to be a pastor. Well, that makes sense. A pastor that never really intended on being a pastor. Well, Embrace Church is one of Sioux Falls' largest churches. It sees over 4,000 weekly attendees through multiple campuses, including online. Embrace has been listed as one of America's fastest growing churches over the years, And it has just experienced these seasons of really intense growth. But before we can really dive into the beginnings of Embrace, how did Adam, the the guy who, you know, I'm not going to be a pastor, who is now a pastor, how did he even get started in ministry? Uh, So I was at Augie, again, totally intending on going into the business world. And every time I'd go home, my home church pastor would say, what are you leading? What are you involved in? Uh, nothing. I'm just going to college. What What do you want? And he just every time would encourage me, you should lead a, a Bible study. You should lead a campus ministry. So I'd come back and I would just do it. Uh, I'm just such a simple person. I was like, oh, someone I respect is telling me to do this. So I'd started doing it. And then I was supposed to be on a spring break trip one year. We were actually, me and two buddies were trying to buy a um, Chevy Cavalier station wagon from a guy downtown Sioux Falls. It was before Phillips to the Falls existed. It was the ghetto. And uh, the guy wouldn't sell it to us. But our plan was to drive it to California, take all the ID off it, 
and then see who could hitchhike back fastest to Sioux Falls. And the guy, I think he his his lowest price was three fifty, and all we had was two fifty. And so I came home. I'm I'm supposed to spend spring break. I'm bummed. My pastor comes up to me and says, "I thought you were supposed to spend spring break." And I was like, I thought I was supposed to be on spring break. <laughs> He's like, what? I'm like, ah, this guy wouldn't sell us his car. And he said, I got a phone call from my brother uh, just last night, and he's looking for someone to fill in for him. And Adam, I think this would be a great opportunity. And it was this, it was was that would have been my summer before my senior year. I said, well, that's a great idea, but I really need an internship in marketing because that's what I'm going to go. I'm going to go into business. And I'm also not interested in being a youth pastor. And he said, well, my brother's actually not a youth pastor. He's the head pastor. And again, I really think you should think about this opportunity. I told him no. He got done with the church service, came back, asked if I had thought about it. I said, I already told you no. And he said, well, I promised to give my 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 number my brother's number to you. I promised him that I would do that. So he wrote his number down. Through the craziest of circumstances, I end up calling him the next day. And he said, I've been expecting your call. And I was like, well, that's bizarre because I told your brother no. And ended up filling in for that pastor. And um, it was a church, probably 250, 350 people. I was 21. I wouldn't let my 21-year-old self borrow my car uh, or even use my push lawnmower, let alone pastor a church. And uh, within the first week, uh, it was a huge shift. I knew I was supposed to be a pastor. Well, you don't need to be a pastor and you don't need to be a believer to know that sometimes things are just meant to be. And Embrace is happy to have you, Adam. So in full disclosure, Embrace Church is actually where me and my family have called home for almost seven years now. So how did this established church with thousands of weekly attendees that started over 12 years ago, how did this even become a thing? Um, never thought I'd come back to Sioux Falls because there's no reason to live in winter nine months out of the year. And um, then that pastor who led me to that internship called and said, hey, we're thinking about starting a church in Sioux Falls. What do you think? I told him it was a bad idea. I had heard away from being a missionary in rough countries, starting a church is the hardest thing you can do ministry-wise. So I was like, why would you sign up for that? And he heard I was coming back to Sioux Falls to do my brother's wedding and said, hey, how about this? You send an email and I'll send an email and we'll see who shows up. And I didn't have the courage to tell him no. Just someone that I just greatly respect and appreciate. And so I said, yep. No one's going to come. This is five days away from the day he wanted to hold it. It was Labor Day weekend. I'm like, everyone's going to be at like a lake or something. No one's going to come. And that night, it was September 4th, 2006, 32 people showed up. And so that's, uh, it's, it's, I was living in Kentucky at the time, so living a thousand miles away. Um, would come back once a month for services after that. Basically, uh, it, whether it's a church or a business, like I did everything that you shouldn't do. You should possibly want to actually start something. I didn't. You shouldn't live a thousand miles away from whatever it is you're starting. I did. And uh, it was a crazy, I look back and it's crazy. It's crazy, Adam shares. That sounds a lot like running a business. Crazy. I, uh, I can remember in seminary when I decided to go to seminary, I was, I, I thought to myself, I totally wasted my undergrad. Like, Gosh, if I would have known when I was going to seminary, I would have never been a business marketing degree. That was a terrible decision. In hindsight, it's the absolute best decision I could have possibly made. 
oftentimes pastors, and I'm 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 saying this humbly because uh, I don't again know up from down. Pastors are some of the worst finance, business-minded leadership people ever, and so that and that sounds great. To gosh, you don't want your pastor to also know business, but it's like no, that's a train wreck. If if I'm running the finances of a home, whether I'm the husband or wife, gosh, I hope they know a little bit about how to balance a checkbook. If I'm doing anything, like, gosh, I kind of want you to know a little bit. And so it was truly, for me, a hand of God moment. I'm so glad as a pastor, my undergrad was in business and and in marketing. Business-wise, I took a lot of leadership classes. Uh, Even in seminary, I took some leadership classes as well. Uh, I lead people. Uh, I lead people who come on a Sunday. I lead volunteers who serve in so many different ways. Early on, I led every area of volunteers because I was the only person. And now leading the staff, I mean, leadership is key. Um, And also the marketing end of things. Uh, I'm fairly biased, but I get to tell people about the greatest, I'm putting in quotes here, product that's ever existed, Jesus. And... um, when you believe in something, I, I always say, if we had the cure to cancer, what would we do? And for me, I feel like I've been I've been given a gift greater than the cure of cancer, um, it, you know, just Jesus. And so, I'm I unashamedly, it's like, how can we share that as much as we can? And I look at the early church actually, which is kind of always left aside. Paul was very extremely strategic, uh, was a very uh, savvy leader. Um, he went to port cities to intentionally, he knew if he could reach a certain city, he could reach an entire region. And so he didn't just kind of pick and choose. Instead, God was very intentional in leading to where he's at. So yeah, it, it's, I thought it was a waste to have a business degree. And it turned out to be the greatest blessing. This is exactly why I'm so thankful that Adam took some time to be interviewed on this podcast. Pastors and church planners, they're not often viewed as entrepreneurs, but what they do, especially in the early days, well, it's exactly like starting a business. They have to understand who are they reaching and how. They need to not spend more money than what they have. They need to provide substance and content that people want. The parallels of business and church are really starting to stack up. So 32 people showed up that very first night. That pastor who uh, Adam talked about earlier He was responsible for Adam's initial push into ministry. His name is Roger Spar, by the way. Well, he got Adam lined up to come back monthly for regular services. We're talking back from Kentucky every month. I truly thought it was the worst idea ever. And so every time I came back, I can remember thinking, this is not going to work. It's going to fail. I don't want to even do this. And so, so we had the first service began once a month. We started groups as well. Um, just got, you had two small groups, just a group of people meeting in each other's homes, just connecting, growing in their, their walk with Christ. And from there, just would come back once a month, once a month. Uh, usually a church has like three previews, like three preview services, what they call them in church world. We had like a year and a half of <laughs> preview services. Again, everything you can possibly do to make this church not grow is what we did. So we had preview services. I came back in July of 07 and continued the the preview services. Uh, we went weekly, um, basically because it's like you either need to do this or not do this. We didn't have critical mass. You know, when you start a business, you hope to have that initial buzz. We didn't have it. 
um, we, there was no uptick. It wasn't like, oh yeah, I'll do all your billboards and blah, blah, blah. We didn't have enough money to do billboards, but with a business, you do all that initial push, hoping to get a wave. We didn't have a wave. And so a year and a half, two years in, two and a half, three years in, we were still at 100 people and not f- long-term financially sustainable. And um, and so, yeah, like it, it, was, it was not working three years in. Three years in, and it's not really working. It's got to be time to just call it a day and move on. It, it, was, it was full ownership on me, and I, I don't have many strengths. The only strength I have is uh, my work ethic. Um, I can work kind of like a, I can work like a dog and enjoy every moment of it. I'm so thankful for my wife and my kids because I would have no life if I didn't have them. And I would, I would thoroughly enjoy that, though, of just working like a dog. I'm not sure how many ways me and Adam actually relate to each other, but in this one area, we are definitely one and the same. And also a huge thanks and shout out to my wife for putting up with me in my self-imposed 12-hour workdays. Sometimes she even calls me a work Nazi, but I'm not so sure that's a compliment. And I, again, I just didn't want to let down my mentor, someone that I looked up to so much. And until, until it was a no deal from his end, it was a green light from my end. And as soon as he would have said no deal, I, we, I would have gladly uh, thrown in the cards. But it, I just, I, it was like, okay, I'm going to run this race as faithfully as I can. I really, really admire Adam's motivation and his drive to just not give up until his mentor gives him the go-ahead. This is how I get in workout sessions sometimes, too. I won't stop beating the crap out of my body until the trainer gives me the signal to stop. So I wondered, in those early days, if Adam was ever worried if one Sunday just no one would show up. It's something that I, I think still gives me the appreciation now that we have a couple thousand, three, a few thousand on a Sunday. Um, I still have that appreciation of every single person. I think in the business world, especially when you've built it up, you realize every single customer. I can't believe you chose to do your business here. As a pastor, I, I can't believe that people still choose to attend Embrace Church. Uh, as the leader of it, you know the imperfections better than anybody. It's always funny when someone reaches out, like if they maybe didn't have a great experience, I'm like, well, actually, you should ask me. I actually know a whole bunch of other terrible things at the church, you know? And so you just see the good, bad, and otherwise because you lead it. And so for me, that that is always such a humbling process because I can remember weeks where I thought the only people who were going to come was my wife. My oldest son was the only one we had at that time. And then, you know, the, the few volunteers we had each week. And it just, it just... It makes you grateful for every single day, and it, that has not changed at all. I'm probably more thankful even now than I was back then because I realized the sacrifice that families were making. They could have went to the church that had all the bells and whistles, and yet they chose to come to a church that the pastor didn't want to even lead. He was green behind the ears, was a terrible preacher, and, and so you look back and it just makes you even more thankful. Startup Sioux Falls. Have you heard of it? It's the entrepreneurial hub for all things business and startup related in our area. Founded and run by our very own Matt Paulson, he's built a website and an online Facebook group with over 6,000 members. If you've been thinking about taking a leap to starting a business, or if you're more seasoned but you need some resources, or if you just love to network, check out the website at siouxfalls.eco. That's siouxfalls.eco. 
you'll find a ton of stuff there, including this very podcast. Startup Sioux Falls is a sponsor of the Startup Stories podcast. If you have questions about your business or you need to find someone to connect with, reach out to the Startup Sioux Falls Facebook group. So in these early days of Embrace, it wasn't even a standalone church. They were sharing space with another church. That's kind of like when one business shuts down and you just move your stuff in and open up your doors to sell a kind of a competition product. I've always thought that's a unique relationship to have. Yeah, we were sharing space. Um, There was a Methodist church in town, still is, uh, Sunnycrest on 41st Street by I-29. They let us meet there uh, in the evenings. So we had a small closet in the basement that they let us keep our stuff in. And then after church services, after they had services, I'd show up once everybody left. I'd bring an A-frame sign out to 41st Street. And then an hour or so later, I would unpack our closet with a couple of volunteers. And we'd try to set it up to make it feel like a different church as much as you can with a small few things in a closet. So we'd do the setup teardown each and every week. And uh, we were Sunday evening, um, and we were struggling to grow. We were right above 100. So we did that, we did that, we did that, we did that, we did that. Then in um, the September of 2009, we switched to morning services. And in over one, in, in literally just over three hours, not even a day, in three hours, we over doubled in size when we went to Sunday morning services. And for me, that, whether you're a pastor and you lead a nonprofit or you're a business owner, there's those little things that you, you feel in your gut, if we could just make this switch, I think there'd see growth. Now, it's one thing to live in that world and use it as a constant excuse. We're not growing because we don't have the shiny whistle. We don't, we're not growing because of this. That's not, that's not how you should approach it. But sometimes um, there are things where you're just like, I'm just sensing in my gut. If we went to Sunday morning services, we'd grow. And three years in, we were almost closed because we weren't sustainable. And in one morning, we went from 100 to 250. And I think for anybody listening that's a leader, those those little instinct things where you're like, I feel like if you just tweak this little thing, those are the things that I think are the game-changing moments of, no, I I really think it's a big deal. And you can just flip that switch. It's amazing what can happen. And I I think there's been so many moments where there's just been little tweak. And you're like, gosh, I feel like if we just did that. And it's just exciting when when you turn the switch and all of a sudden it works. And there's other times when you try it and it doesn't work. Man, sometimes I have to pry this concept of failure out of my guests on the podcast. But Adam, he just segues right into it. I, I think he's trying to say that he's screwed up a time or two. Uh, the first failure, kind of looking back, we, we were supposed to be in our building where we saw growth in January of 2009. So I had announced to the church several times. People had given money. Um, we were so excited. And two, three different times I had to say, I had to come back and say, hey, actually, it's not going to be for a few more months. Actually, it's not going to be for a few more months. And so even just learning, I, I've learned don't announce something until you have it in writing and you can just stand on top of it. And even then, so, um, so you know, just that failure of announcing something too early and then having to build back momentum. And people are sacrificing to be at your church. And it's like, okay, uh, you told us, though, that we're going to move into a new space. Why? I know I can't control how quick this construction company goes. So we had that, even after we had it signed, 
uh, we found out very late in the game, a month before we were supposed to move in, that there was some city codes that were missed. And so we were actually told we would not be going into the building. And it was devastating. And so then it was like, how am I going to share with the church that the whole thing that we've been talking about for the last year is not going to happen? And so complete failure um, there. It ended up coming together nine months later. But I, I think I even learned there of just the importance of transparency. I didn't try to spin it. I just came up in front of the church and said, hey, guys, I was told, I was promised, and it didn't happen. And that's on me. I should have waited until it was a signed document. And so I'm learning. I'm 24. And so I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so early on, the failures of that, um, even, even moving service time. So we, we started seeing explosive growth. And we decided to tweak the service times after two months of growth. It's like, don't touch anything. And so we moved them. And in the next week, our attendance dropped in half. And I'm like, no way. Okay, I'm going to give it another week. Still low. Okay, still low. We switched them back four weeks later and immediately saw it jump back up. I'm like, our people have spoken. They have spoken. Just listen to them. And so even those times when you kind of go against what you, um, yeah, you just go against your intuition. Like I I, I was hesitant to do it, um, but sought advice. And some other people had told me, hey, you should switch your service times, blah, blah, blah. And it just wasn't a good move. So this is a really unique aspect to church or really any nonprofit. And it's different than traditional entrepreneurship, and that's transparency. Honestly, I think that every church could do it better, including Embrace. But it is nice when a leader can own up to their mistakes they've made. So for me personally, every failure, no matter how big or small, it ends up leading to these massive feelings of insecurity and doubt just in myself and what I'm doing, the decisions I make. This leads to things like imposter syndrome, and you hear me talk about this all the time. Imposter syndrome is crippling no matter who you are. It is agnostic to whatever profession that you're in. And business owners and pastors, we're all prone to feeling it. I've, I've felt inadequate to do what I do since day one, and it's never changed. And uh, for every step of the way, I never felt like a pastor. I still don't feel like a pastor. I, I, am I a follower of Jesus? Yes, no question. I hope I'm the most passionate follower of Jesus I know, and hopefully that just continues to grow. But I don't, I don't feel like a pastor, um, even in how I'm wired. I have an entrepreneur heart, and so sometimes I felt like, gosh, shouldn't a pastor kind of be sitting beside still waters, laying down in green pastures? And that's just not my wiring. And so even, even that, like that, some of that core identity stuff in my position, I've struggled with at times, and I've, I've felt like this is wrong to feel the way that I feel and to be wired the way that I am. I mean, so even some of those baseline things, and I think that's that's true, whatever it looks like as a leader. Sometimes you have those things where I'm like, is this okay to be wired like this? And so, um, but I, I really began to, it sounds crazy, the more success we had, the more insecure I became. It's one thing to, to preach in front of 40-some people, and it's another thing to preach in front of 400 people, as it's, you know, this past Easter, over 4,000 people. And so um, it's, it's uh, I, I kept feeling like, uh, the the bigger the stage, I'm putting that in quotes, the less confident I felt and really just felt like, you know, I'd, I'd even joke around with people and I was joking around, but I also felt it internally. Man, this church called Embrace is really going to take off when we get a new lead pastor someday. 
working through these feelings is the core of being able to get past imposter syndrome and really finding true success in who you are and what you do. Again, success is in quotes. So how does Adam work through these feelings? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, can, uh, for me, I'm going to bring God into the equation. I, I truly felt, and I think you can use this language whether you're a Christian or not, but I truly felt called to do the, what I was specifically doing. For me, it wasn't my idea. It wasn't my pipe dream. And so I kept coming back to that. This was not my plan. Like, I did not want to do this. You wrote me into this, you know? And so until you tell me that I'm supposed to leave, I guess you've put me here. And so I really felt a calling. And maybe for a business owner, there's different things where it's like, yeah, I hustled. I worked my butt off, blah, blah, blah. But there were so many things along the way that I I did not do. I, I couldn't get that client that randomly got referred to me. That wasn't my hustle. Well, I know what Adam is talking about all too well here. I work my ass off, but even I can realize the times when God has shown up and he's gave us things that I could just never provide for myself. I can tell you story after story about the times that God has shown up in our retail store. We often take moments and reflect back on these, especially when things are hard, because we know that God has placed us in this business and that he wants us to succeed. As as Embrace grew, I just kept becoming equipped. I learned from others. I read. I started listening to podcasts and discontinue have done that. And so even on the days that I feel totally inadequate, I'm like, God, but you have taught me a thing or two. Like I, I have learned some things. Well, becoming equipped is such a powerful and important journey. It's truly the motivation behind this very podcast. Not only is it equipping me to be a better entrepreneur and a better person, but I really hope that for others that listen, it's equipping and helping them in their entrepreneurial walk. Now, Adam and I have talked about a ton of stuff in our conversation, but there's none that's more home-hitting for me than what it means to work at our endeavors at pretty much all costs. And for me, one of the seasons came about um, through a season of burnout, just really struggling to be emotionally healthy in many ways. I just was burning the candle at every direction possible. And then another season came where we had a season of plateauing. And I, I, I've always said I've never led a church of 500 until I led it. I've never led a church of 1,000 until I led it. And so we got to a place, hit a plateau, and I really wrestled with, and I, I think sometimes it is okay to make a transition at this point. I didn't know if we, I could lead us to the next place, and I, because I, I had never done it first off, and then we had plateaued, and so I, is this my time? And really wrestled with that, sought counsel from close friends, both pastors and non-pastors. Obviously, my my wife, like just like asking her, wrestling with things, and. And really just brought it before God, honestly. And I was like, Lord, if this is uh, the end of the road with this specific church, and if maybe as a pastor even, I'd be okay with that. And really getting okay with that. I think there's something healthy about that. Whether you're a business leader or a pastor, being okay with like, it's not your identity. Um, At some point, you will retire. Uh, You will sell your business. Uh, Whether uh, you do or your kids take it from you when you go into a nursing home or a funeral home, like at some point, we will transition. So our identity is not what we do. It's a part of it, no question. Um, But just realizing, um, I think different points, my identity has been my job. And I, I don't want that to be the case. Instead, I want it to be a part of who I am. Yeah, so 
this concept of the burning candle, the you know burning candle at, at both ends or in, in all ways. I know this all too well. I'm just actually coming out of a season where all my candles have been burnt to the very ground. There's nothing left. We've recently moved uh, my wife and I's retail shop from the mall into our downtown location. Uh, I got super behind on some website projects. I was working literally day and night uh, just to try and get caught back up. And honestly, my candles are gone and it has come at a serious price. And that's my family. You do what you do to help people. Um, not realizing you're not helping the people right close to you, which is bizarre. And because my end goal, um, I, I when I went to be a pastor, I knew I'm like, okay, financially, I'm not going to achieve what I thought I was going to be. I mean, that's just not in the cards. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's very important to realize the people and what will matter at the end of your life isn't your goals. It won't matter what your income was your sales, uh, at the end of your life, what will matter is what people say about you. And as someone who many people hear speak, whether it's through a podcast or a, through a Sunday message, I, I, I truly have thought about this so many times at my funeral someday. I, I don't want to hear um, what the, the mass crowd said or the, the person who didn't know me said. Those things are always so humbling and kind. I hope at my funeral, it starts with my wife and my kids and the people who worked with me that are first in line to say, my dad was far from perfect, but man, he, I knew he loved me. My boss, gosh, Adam, that guy is a workhorse. Sometimes he drove me completely insane, but I knew that he cared about me. Man. And he, like what he and his heartbeat was not growing a church for numbers. It wasn't for himself. He didn't want to even be a pastor, but man, he just wanted to help as many people as he could. And to hear that from those who are closest to me, that's my goal in life. And um, that's not always been my goal in life. Um, but that's, that's like in the last few years specifically, I'm like, man, I want my kids to say, I, I, I hope they say he was far from perfect. I, I hope it's not that he was a saint and he was like, no, stop lying about me. I'll, I'll sit up in my casket, liars. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I hope to hear that from from my wife, my kids, my close friends, those who know me really well, that Adam, he was the real deal. And he did what he did because he cared so much about people. And ultimately, more than that, standing before God someday and hearing, hearing well done is, is what, I'm, what I'm after. So when Adam was talking at this point, I was literally in tears. I don't normally get too personal or too vulnerable myself on the podcast, but guys, this hits home. And not just for me, but I have a feeling that it's going to hit home for a lot of others out there as well. So as we wrap up this episode with Adam, I just wanted to take a moment and thank each and every person that's listened to this podcast. The, the feedback that I've gotten has been exceptional. These conversations, they truly help shape the way that we approach entrepreneurship. And if there is just one bit of value out of this particular episode, it's just to take a break sometimes. Spend some time with your friends and your family and just get out of your business, even if it's just every once in a while, and show those around you how much you really do care. Honestly, this will be the hardest piece of advice for me to take. But my kids and my wife, they'll appreciate it. Well, if you've never been to Embrace Church before, they have come a long way from 32 people in a shared space. They have multiple locations, including one in T, which is where my, uh, me and my family attend. 
You can watch online and get all the information about the service times and satellite campuses, all from their website, which is iamembrace.com. That's iamembrace.com. And if you want to learn more about Adam or connect with him, he has his own website called adamweber.com. You can learn more about his recent book, which is called Talking with God, and even in, tune into his own podcast called The Conversation. And a quick thank you to our sponsor of the season of the podcast, which is Startup Sioux Falls, the entrepreneurial hub for all things business and startup related in our area. And finally, you heard me mention some things about a retail shop that uh, me and my wife own. It's called Juniper Apothecary. Uh, we're located right on the south boardwalk of 8th and Railroad in downtown Sioux Falls. You can find us on Facebook or online at juniperapothecary.com. All right, guys, we will see you next week.